Hi folks, welcome to the TPM Podcast with your host, Mario Gerard. This is the final part of the interview with Dhananjay, where we talk about product management. Do keep listening. So uh, <clears throat> the next question I have for you is, uh, how do you look for a product market fit? Yeah, this, this, uh, this is kind of similar to how we talked about minimum viable product. Yeah. But even goes beyond well, what that. What is the because, product market fit? Yeah. Let, let's uh, start with that. The in the industry, product managers talk this talk about this a lot. A product market fit is basically for the product that you're creating, the service that you're creating, does it have value enough that the market will pick and run run with it? And pay for it. And pay for it. Yeah. Right. There have been products that were created in the past, like PDAs and Newtons and so on, which yeah. were way ahead of its time and nobody caught on to it and now look at how oh, that's a very good taken. example right i don't know how many people know about the pdas yeah uh, but, I, uh you, you i have a few <laughs> lying here <laughs> which as a geek i used to buy them yeah yeah but yeah. they but never, never made, took off right they HP never took had, off. the hp had one. hp had uh, uh, uh compact had uh, had yeah, one yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and this never took off yeah yeah a palm pilot you yes, know the whole company pilot. went un, under because uh yeah. The product was out there, but the, the market fit was not there. Or people didn't see the creative marketing or whatever. Something was missing Correct. Uh, from the go-to-market strategy. Right. Coming, coming, so coming, yeah. that, bec- that becomes really important to understand that are you creating a product that fits with the market. Uh, now, how do you determine uh, what is a good product market fit? Goes back to the same rules we've talked about. Understanding your customer. Uh, are you working on something, a problem, and providing enough value that the customer is willing to pay for it, right? Understanding in certain products that there is a different user persona and a different buyer persona. And understanding both of their journeys is really, really key. I think I, I wanted to add uh, add something to that, uh, <coughs> which is a word which I heard you use when you first started this discussion of how pervasive is this problem? One, how widespread is it that it actually needs somebody to come in and solve that problem for, yeah. for you? Uh, I think that's really, you got to get that into your head and understand how big the space is and do probably some analysis of how how pervasive that problem is. Yeah. Right? Uh, and the second thing which you mentioned was um, uh, user personas. Yes. I think a lot of people skip that. And I've actually seen uh, products be more successful if they were actually defined with user personas, yep. which is why <clears throat> I think uh, people at Amazon, the first thing they do is write the PR FAQ. Yes. Right. Uh, which is basically a press release yeah. and the FAQ questions yeah. of what the product actually looks like. Uh, so understanding what you use a persona is. I think a little bit earlier in the discussion also you you said that there are three people who are using the products. There's a yeah. person who's making the decision to buy. There's a person who's actually using, using the it. product. Could be the end developer. Yeah. And then there are <clears throat> managers in the in the line. And yep. they could be operational teams. They all have different personas. Yeah. And understanding that key uh difference yes. between each persona is so critical, right? Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And also a good balance of, I've, I've seen in certain organizations, they've gone where they have like literally 20 personas. Yeah, yeah. And they're so watered down or so targeted towards a specific yeah. thing that uh, 
it becomes hard to figure out okay which of the 21s are we talking about yeah, yeah. they'll give them names so try to keep what i've tried to do within my teams is keep between 3 and 5 personas yeah and really have those personas become more as realistic as possible in terms of understanding what problems they face yeah what skills they can t- typically have and what is their interaction Going with your like. product going to look like yeah. and that really helps ground most of the prioritization discussions going forward right so i think understanding that and that could be through interviews through looking at other products through looking at what's out there in the market and sometimes something's not out there in the market but maybe understanding how those personas once you understand how they do those things today yeah. uh, and how are you going to change their role right yeah, yeah. Um, um that that becomes important uh if you look at lift or uber uh, as soon as you go to their website they have are you a rider or are you a driver yeah so very clear and distinction a clear distinction right. and i i did the wrong thing so they think i'm a driver sometimes i'll <laughs> get like promotions that drivers get yeah. uh but it's really important to have that in mind second one is the environment Yeah once you understand your personas and you're providing a, a you know solution or targeting a solution to it how will you what's the acquisition cost acquisition of a customer of that customer yeah what is the cost for the customer to get your product yeah deploy it and manage and operate it wow. you know pulling that together many often times we only look at oh this is going to cost x right yeah. but <laughs> there might be downstream costs yeah absolutely that are ongoing yeah right even for my mobile phone i have to change batteries or now you i can't even change batteries yeah, you know yeah, yeah. uh there's an ongoing cost to yeah, keep yeah. it up and running especially for enterprise products i think i completely fail to understand that uh the cost of the product is not just the cost of the product but the cost yeah. of actually implementing Yes, and utilizing that product yeah. effectively because it might you might sell something, but then it's going to take them six months or three months to actually deploy that particular piece of software and yeah. actually start using them. Depending on how complex, uh, and is. and you bring up a good point with enterprise products. There's also liability involved. Yeah. Uh, when we build, when I build cloud products, when we build on cloud products, yeah, you yeah. and I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. we have made sure that I can't go into any customer's privacy, privacy. data and and pull out information. Yeah, right. That's yeah. a huge liability both yeah. for the cloud I, company that I'm working for as well as for the customer. And, and the durability aspect, right? How reliable yeah. is your scalable is the service? Supposing all cloud <coughs> providers today, if your service is does not meet the particular SLE, then uh they they pay you back yeah. right there's a, there's a cost Absolutely. for lost business because your end customer didn't was not able to do something because the service is not available yeah. right so um, and and that that becomes very key because uh, i've seen for some companies some products <clears throat> not having that at the time of design has really impacted them in the long term yeah that cost of you know, we had a security breach and then again that's where it comes as to what data are you collecting how is the customer going to benefit from that data how are you benefiting from the data and are you making it explicit to the customer how this data is going to be used so what is the data interaction model in addition to just the user interaction model 
is, is also important. As you go along, what data do you gather? Many a times, as you've seen these days, companies, large ones, collected data thinking there was no liability involved with it. Yeah, yeah. And now they're sitting on this data. Huge piles of data. Huge piles of data. And they've not figured out that this has large implications over, yeah. uh, over you know, how, how it can be leveraged yeah. uh, and misused. So I think those are the things that that are important to understand, not just not just in addition to thinking about what it makes in terms of the user and buyer's journey possible, but also the data impact that you can have both on the user, buyer, as well as the company uh, and the customer and the environment that this product will be used in. Does it integrate well into the day-to-day uh, environment that the customer is going to interact with? If you get those three things right, I think you'll have a good, decent product market fit. So as a product manager, one of the main things you're trying to do is you're building new products, right? And how do you promote that culture of innovation and thinking beyond? Uh... Yeah, as we build new products, uh, it is important to think outside the box. You're building something that, you know, sometimes people have not foreseen the benefits of it. And have you not, if you, if you start, I mean, that's how we have cars today, not faster carriages. Yeah, I I was going to start our conversation (laughs) originally with the Henry Ford example, right? Yeah. Uh, Where he famously said, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would say they wanted faster carriages, right? And that's a very interesting uh, way of thinking of, of it. Yeah. And so it is important to have that, Culture of innovation when you work with your teams. Yeah. Whether it's uh, your engineering teams, your sales teams, anyone who interact you interact with. And also for customers to show that you're promoting that risk-taking with proper controls in place. Yeah. Uh, so promote that risk-taking. Uh, take a few risks. You know, everything's not going to be a perfect product market fit. Sometimes you'll try to take a square peg in, try to fit it into a round hole, just have controls to show you, metrics to show you that, oh, this is a round hole. I need yeah. to go, go back, back to the drawing board and come up with a, Something with a round is, peg, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> um, bring in diverse experiences. I truly believe that uh, innovation happens when people bring in, as you said, Mario, their own experiences. Yeah into it you know you have a different perspective having come from uh, a, a sales as well as tpm background yeah. and it's when we have those healthy interactions yeah you you've suggested things in the past which i had not thought about yeah right so help that it it shouldn't be my way or highway i'm the product manager i know customers just do this sometimes when i've explained even to my engineering teams the problems I've been surprised how how they came up with a solution which was far more elegant than what I had thought about. Yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, be pragmatic at the same time. Don't try to uh, to build innovation for innovation's sake. Right? So what I've called that as uh, being pragmatic or being honest about the technology you're building. Is this really innovation because you want to do something innovative? And sometimes having that shiny object is good for products. Uh, as I have learned from one of my mentors, 
in a product feature set, you know, 80 to 90% of features have to solve problems. Yeah. And then you can leave 10 or 20% for shiny things, which actually show the vision of where you're leading that product to. So build a few of those, yeah, but yeah. don't go All out gang, gangbusters on just, oh, I'm going to build innovation. Nobody has ever done this. And yeah, then yeah. you leave, end up with a product that nobody wants to buy yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, bells and whistles that nobody cares about. And then seek that cross of feedback from cost function. I've been surprised how many times my sales or even business development teams have given me some key feedback on what customer values would be. Uh, in fact, one of the situations was we were building a product for Kubernetes customers and my sales team said, oh, customers are just, you know, in the early phases, they just need best practices guidance. So we built an opinionated guide. It was just a document, not even a bunch of code. And customers lapped it up. They're like, wow, this is exactly what I need today. I need a guidebook on how I should deploy this, not some tool that, you know, backs it up and automatically restores it and has multiple regions uh, automatically backed up with primary, secondary. No, they just wanted like a simple rule book. Don't do this, do this. This is bad. You'll hurt yourself three months from now. That's all they needed. Uh, So, so bring that, you know, use your relationships to understand and and bring, bring that culture of elevation. That's that's a very interesting way of, uh, you know, that's, Comes down to how how you know your customers at the end of the day, yeah. right? Uh, that that's a very core focus point of the whole product management um, role itself. How do you see this role now evolving? Uh, the, the product manager role, I think, uh, you know, it came about with the agile uh, whole agile framework, yeah. And and we've spoken about <clears throat> the different hats the product manager has to wear, but how do you see this role like? changing in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And this is our viewpoint. Uh, there might be others as well. But we have seen, you know, the outbound, inbound, and yeah, program yeah. managers kind of program management meld into product management. I see, as you pointed out, uh, you know, the, what, as an example, what AWS is doing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, product yeah. management, technical, but also as a business owner and an entrepreneur. Yeah. Somebody who is not only responsible for the experience, understanding customer problems, being very in-depth, under, uh, have an understanding of customers, their life cycle of using the product, but also understand the market and technology and how they correlate together. I yeah. think that's a key aspect of how this I think that comes developed. back to the single-threaded owner uh, yes. model as well, right? You have one person who's both the business owner and the entrepreneur and who's kind of and I see large organizations, even like uh, Amazon and other organizations, like doing this, even at Oracle, right? Yeah. At, at Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, at our team, they're, they're owners which we've assigned who are going and going to go and solve a particular problem, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's how that role is evolving. You could give that person a title of a CEO of that particular product. Right, you could give that person a dev manager. He might be just doing a developer's job, managing his developers, but he's responsible for the whole thing. Or you could give him a product manager title. You, titles aside, you see that kind of amalgam- amalgamation of that particular role to to do greater things. Exactly, and and the product themselves are evolving 
uh, into being more solution and services focused. In the past, I used to have a whole lot I still do because I like all my media uh, on a server and the product was basically a media server in the house. Yeah. But now everybody uses, you know, the various streaming services yes, yes. to listen to music yeah. uh, and consume their media. And there are podcasts like the yeah. one you're doing. So yeah. the whole whole thing is an ongoing service. And if my service is down, I can't consume my media. It's it's a whole SaaS model that's coming in. And product managers have to be more familiar with the SaaS experience than they have in the past. And it has become more solutions focused rather than feature focused. What is the problem that you're doing? And as as we talked about earlier, it's more agile than a water flow, a more waterfall bomb. model. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's more disruptive. Uh, so you got to make sure that in a disruptive market, you know, customers have a shorter attention span on any new thing that they get. Yeah, you got to keep the customer captive. Yep. And continue to deliver continuous value yeah. uh, to the customer. Otherwise, you know, they'll they'll move on. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think the role is evolving as the products are evolving. Uh, I also believe that um, Agile is all about iterative. Yes. Development and iterating on the product. But the role itself is also, I think, going through its own like evolution, right? Uh, you saw product managers who were, uh, at some point, they were business analysts and then they became product managers. Uh, they own something really small and tiny. Uh, and now you see product managers like own much larger pieces <coughs> of the puzzle. And then, as you said, right, they were going to probably own more solutions and not just small features. Yeah. It, it's a more solution-centric uh, view. Uh, so I think I think the the product manager himself or the role itself, uh, just like how TPMs are evolving, uh, the role itself is going to uh, evolve. Uh, and that brings me to my final question: uh, What are your general tips and advice uh, for uh, product managers? Yeah, yeah. So these are through the long and hard years of yeah working as a program manager and then product manager and coming from an engineering background. One is don't ever take for granted that you have the respect of the people you're working with, uh, especially the engineering team. You have to earn your respect. And and you can't just walk into a room and saying, I'm, you know, a product manager who has worked on this for 20 years and, you know, yeah. have been in the industry. Yeah. So you better listen to me. Nobody's going to listen to you for that. Uh, Secondly, as you and I talked about, uh, we have a large dependency in our vision becoming a reality on teams who don't even report into us. Yeah. So we have literally no control other than showing them a compelling vision. Yeah. And so it is important for us to to understand, be a listener and do favors. The more favors you do, we are in a unique position where we are the glue between different teams. Yeah. So we are often connected. And so when an engineering person comes in and says, oh, I have this problem. I don't know whether I should do A or B. Okay, let's talk to a customer. Yeah. Help I want to help him out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And show him show him or her yeah. both options uh, as a customer. And then have them understand what the real customer problem is. Yeah. Uh, 
if the sales team can't understand a particular technical detail, help them out. I think doing those favors will go a long way because then those will multiply and help you back. I see people who are extremely successful uh, have that empathy, not only the customers, general sense of empathy that I want to help. Uh, I I have people I know that extreme empathy takes you gives you a much better run rate and much yeah. better uh, eventual eventually your goal is going to be achieved whatever that goal might be if you have a lot of empathy to to your customers exactly. uh, and that kind of ties back into your earlier statement of earning respect right how do you earn respect here with your developers is if you have that empathy that I'm here to help that really goes a, a long way. Uh, what are some other advices and tips? And then, then uh, another one is calc- take calculated risk. You have the power Understood. that you've earned, but also the responsibility. <clears throat> Make sure that you're taking those calculated risks, making everyone aware what the <clears throat> what the pros and cons of the risk are, and yeah. then having checks and balances in place so you don't burn out your engineering team because you will lose that respect that you've gained in Very a matter fast. of minutes. Yeah. 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 Right. And this one is the hardest for me and I have to continuously is celebrate success. Yeah. We often like go from sprint to sprint to sprint and we we often forget to celebrate the success, whether it's in terms of a customer win or whatever your team feels like. So we also have to be this planner who comes up with innovative ideas to keep the team motivated, to make sure that they they get the recognition and also have have celebrations, not just because we're often in a position where we are giving people work yeah, yeah. and telling them what to do and what's good, what's bad yeah, yeah. Uh, and giving them feedback and being the voice of the customer. Yeah. Uh, so it is important to celebrate success on a periodic yeah. basis. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I've never heard anybody say it, uh, but I think that's so, so important because uh, you got to celebrate success at the same time. Uh, there's only your your team, your development team will only be happy when they know that customers are actually using their product and somebody else is happy and that we've made we made a win. Yes. Because these dev teams are working <clears throat> really hard to make something to make your vision a reality, yeah. right? And when it happens, uh it's so important to celebrate that success and, yeah. and and have the team increase the morale of the team. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's a fantastic... And in one of the teams I worked in, the startups, we had something as simple as a gong. Yeah. And every time the sales team would have a customer win, they would yeah. come and beat the gong. Now, we were a small office, so yeah. everybody could hear it. Yeah. And they're like, wow, we got one more customer win. And we had a counter there. Yeah. And that simple thing was yeah. enough to... To motivate. To motivate the team members. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, thank you. I think we have had a very lovely conversation today. Uh, I don't know how long uh, the whole podcast was, but it's a fantastic, fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, thanks for all the people who are listening. Uh, this was a very interesting conversation with uh, Dhananjay, uh, who's been a product manager for uh, more than 20 years and who's done various other roles. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, hope to... Uh, Uh, do another podcast very soon. Uh, Bye-bye. Thanks for the opportunity, Bhai. Hi, folks. Thanks for listening. I hope you really enjoyed that. This is the final part of the three-part interview with Dhananjay. I hope you really enjoyed his perspectives on product management. 
because I truly did. Uh, do subscribe to the podcast and thanks again for listening.